Hey, everybody, it's Jeff. Before we start today, I wanted to make sure that you knew about a couple of things. First, if you haven't checked out Church Gear yet, you need to go to churchgear.com today. These guys are incredible. If you have used equipment at your facility, Church Gear will help you turn it into cold, hard cash. Greenbacks, clams, simoleons, legal tender, however you want to think about it, churchgear.com can turn your used equipment into money. And you can use that money to go back to their site and buy some of their used equipment. They have an incredible inventory of certified, pre-owned, gently used church production equipment that you're going to want to check out. So go to churchgear.com, and if you use the code MXUGEAR at checkout, you can even get special pricing. Second, the MXU video library is growing every day, and we want you to check out our new series of videos on the Allen & Heath Avantis console. It was our most requested video series, and we cannot wait to bring it to you. Also, if you have a new volunteer who is new to ProPresenter, our resident video expert, Rusty Anderson, has created a great series of videos on ProPresenter. So whether it's audio training or video training that you need, We know that these new batches of videos are going to suit your needs perfectly. So go to getmxu.com and sign up today. We have various levels of pricing for membership, so we know that we have something that will fit you and your team to a T. All right, let's get to the episode. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, what is going on, everybody? You're here live with Lee and I. And we don't know where Jeff is. Did we tell Jeff we were doing a podcast, or was he busy? Um, I don't know. I think um, I think we're supposed to say, what's he usually say? Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 112 of the MXU podcast. I'm here, as always, with my co-laborer in the fields of Christ to build his kingdom, Pastor Reverend Lee Fields and... Bishop Dadu Worldwide. Bishop... Bible carrying. You need a Bible carrier. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to pivot to. I have a Bible carrier. I have my iPad right here on my chest rig. Yeah. What are those? What do you mean? This is my chest rig. Your chest rig. Yeah. Well, this is an audio podcast, so we'll need to clarify that. Okay. Well, it's like a sports bra for working people. Um, can I say that? Well, Jeff's not on here. I can say whatever I want. You uh, can say whatever I got, you want. I got my radio. Got a flashlight. Got a knife. Got some sharpies. Got a pen. Got some Band-Aids, some medicine. It goes over my shoulder, and I got an iPad in here. So when every day, I got my drawings if I need them. Okay, so this episode, we kind of have two interviews. We have an interview uh, here in a minute. Jeff and I were in Las Vegas this week for NAB, which we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, y'all had fun. Uh, We did, but we interviewed Phil Wagner, who is a senior vice president of SSL, Solid State Logic. So that's a great interview. Yeah, did you ask him to simplify that thing? Uh, I can't no. get around that desk, man. I need you the can't. I I think that one's pretty good. As soon as you figure out the, you know, it's something clicks and you're like, oh, I understand the workflow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easier to me than some others. It's easier than the wing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, but you're on tour right now. What are you doing? You're on a bus. Yeah, I'm actually in the back lounge. Just snuck away. Um, hopefully my radio doesn't go off and I need to go, but, uh, I'm out on the elevation tour with our good friends at elevation and our dear friends 
Man, I've got Eddie out here from Concept Pixels. Uh, Webster's CSE, which has been a lot of fun. He's been on the podcast. Yep, and uh, Corey is Corey is the production manager, production designer, and front of house engineer. My man is wearing a lot of hats, and let me tell you, he does it well. I've been making fun of him a lot, but I have been very impressed. Well, that's cool. He has a really great relationship with the church. Yeah, he does. I've got a lot of titles. I make coffee a lot for people. I'm the stage manager. Um, I'm basically the dock master. I load in the rig, load out the rig. Yeah, so because Corey's doing so much, you're kind of running the load in. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He does come in for chalk in the morning. He does. Yes, he does. He is um, very active on that. And I think that's just him and I building a rapport. I think he won't after he gets uh, comfortable. But we've worked really well together. We haven't had any moments. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been great. So in the morning, I walk through my day. Is that all right with you? Yeah, I'd love to hear. Like, I think this would be cool. So we'll kind of interview you. So go from alarm clock goes off and then just walk us through the whole day. Oh, man. Well, the alarm clock goes off about 12 minutes before I need to be inside. <laughs> um, Which is what? So what time is that? Uh, seven some days, eight some days. So just say 15 okay. till, right? Uh, so 6.45, I wake up and get it together, put on some shorts, because I sleep in my undies, put on some mm-hmm. shorts and T-shirt, walk in the venue, and we chalk the floor. We have an incredible head rigger from Four Wall named Ryan. Okay, so tell people what chalking the floor, and you're in an arena. We're all These are all arenas. So chalking the floor is marking the floor where the rigging points would go, so the riggers, up and down riggers, know um, exactly where our points need to be. Now, we drawings have been sent ahead of time and all that, so it's pretty straightforward. We're all working off the same drawings, but it's this way there is no mistake that someone has marked an X and a circle on the floor that allows everyone to know that a motor point goes here. It's really great. And it kind of gives you a footprint. Um, it gives you a visual of where the stage will end up. All these points are generally on top of the stage for the most part. Some yeah. are obviously the PA left and right. Some days our stage is in place, and some days it's built out in the house and we roll it into place. Those are easier days. Uh, yeah. t- today was not one of those. We're in Indy today. What would change it if you can have the stage? The stage would go like where front of house is and it yeah. gets built up and then rolls under. What changes that? Well, the good then all your all your truss and everything can go in flat and doesn't have to get forked up onto the stage or any of that. We have these fingers they call them at angles, uh, and then like the PA can be built on the ground and taken straight up. And there's just no yeah. obstacles in your way, you know. And yeah. people can build the deck stuff on the deck. Like yes, two days ago we had a rolling stage, and we built the band risers and half the band gear over there and didn't have to worry about being I people's see. ways. So you guys are not traveling with a stage. Mm-mm. So depending on if the arena has stage on wheels, we'll change that. Yep, they all. Yeah. So it, the reason it's flex every day is because we're using the only risers we carry is the band riser. We have these clear, got it, acrylic risers. So that happens, and then as they're prepping for that, I generally go change. I rarely take a shower in the morning, even though I'd love to, um, because it's really just fire drill and yeah, wash my face. Brush my teeth, get all that going, swing by breakfast, get a little protein, get some coffee. And then we have six trucks on this tour. So then I go to the dock and I begin 
the process of establishing a relationship with the steward of all the labor. We use local labor. And generally, since I've done the circles several times, uh, I know someone or have some familiarity. Yeah. And so you catch up if you know them and then. Because that's the most important person in the room for you. Yes. For me, in that moment, that guy is giving me all the help I need and he's on my side. If I've got someone acting out of line, local labor, he's going to either be on my side or their side. And I'd rather him be on my side. Because this is the person, for those that don't know, they're they're controlling all of the the hands. It can be union, it can be a local crew, it could be a third party company, depending on the city and the rules they've got set up with the with the arena. But at the end of the night, that person then sends you a bill. So it's all been estimated before and planned out. But if you don't do what you say you're gonna do, and if you're not as organized as you said you were gonna be, a lot of times they can stick you with a lot of extra fees and that stuff's expensive. If you're talking like hundreds of dollars per hour per person and they can, they have all these rules. It's like, okay, now this is 1.5 times this rate. Cause it's this many hours or, Oh, you want to stream to the internet tonight? The whole crew now gets paid double because that's like doing two shows. Like right. there's crazy rules like that. And it's wild. It's, it really is wild. Um, how it gets, I'm sorry. I'm responding to a, yeah, you're working. Go ahead. Quick text. Actually, it's a uh, intro. Uh, Jeff, need, sorry. Someone just said I'm in D.C. and they forgot to source an in-ear rig help. I said Jeff needs ears. Go ahead for Jay. Hey, the runner is back with your preparation agent in the tour office. Thank you. Um, Was that Corey? Yeah, next time text me that. Don't say that on radio. <laughs> I sent a runner to get something, and he just announced what that was over the radio. He said, your runner's back with Preparation H. That's embarrassing. You want to edit that out? No, no, it's fine. It's got, everyone needs to know we're, <laughs> we're out here. You know, We all get chafed. <laughs> Everybody's got the gold bond. You don't leave home without that. Never, but you know. never, never. Oh, and then the old hemorrhoids kick in. You got to do what you got to do. Um, yeah, the labor thing gets tricky because, like, today – perfect example is uh the ceiling of the venue on the on the front end where i need all the rigging ports is 140 feet so i'm adding 50 feet of chain on top of the 100 feet that's already there which is a long line you know you think about these super tall arenas and the back is 126 feet we still add 50 and then take it up so that just took a while today and your labor calls during like four or five hours after that you got to feed them there's these union breaks there's all these rules so yeah. i've got to keep labor costs to a minimum so i'm pushing you know but our rigging took a while today um you don't don't tell us what y- y'all's numbers are like that's confidential stuff but i've been you know you visit friends in an arena a show comes to town big pop star i went to see one show at golden one arena here in sacramento it was 14 trucks which is a really big show for an arena yeah and his bill that night was eighty thousand dollars just for hands cities it depends on city the further northeast you get the more unionized you get and then like i mean some of these unions just have fluff positions you know there's a guy or safety guy there or a captain of this there and he no they'll do um like in new york and some venues they have a house front of house engineer, a house lighting designer for every show. It doesn't matter if it's Billy Joel or the Rolling Stones. There's a house front of house engineer. Now, he may not be mixing the show, but since the band brought 
an engineer, you just took a job from him, so you still have to pay him anyway. Yeah, and it's probably like it's probably like two thousand dollars a day for the union guy to mix front of house to just stand there. It's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. House audio, house lighting, house video guy. You plug in one SDI to go to the TVs around the place, and he's there all day with the union yep. breaks. So forklift ops, man. I always have two forklifts up on these calls so we can double stack, work smarter, not harder. And, you know, there are some really great guys. Like, I'm two days ago in Grand Rapids, guy came up to me and goes, I remember you. And I said, okay. And I said, man, do you like me or not? He said, oh, yeah, man, you were awesome. He said, I remember you from Creation Festival like seven years ago. Whoa. Right? He was a monitor tech, and he said I was super nice, which didn't sound like me. But um, he, And he remembered Crowder's set. And it was a night that Redmond Crowder – Christy Nathan, Stanfill, and Tomlin all did a collaborative moment with Louie. And so he mm. remembered that being pretty cool. And then, but that was cool. That is cool. Okay. So that got us into like 30 minutes of your day so far. So, so it gets chalked and then the rigging starts. And then the rigging starts. While the rigging is starting, I'm dumping trucks. So, yeah. Uh, we rigging truck first, obviously. And then we do lighting truck because it has all the truss. And then we'll do video truck. Then we'll do audio truck. And then we'll do uh, the catch-all truck and then the backline truck, which are really – the backline truck is really like two catch-all trucks. that have control – I put control packages and all that stuff. So like you would load in in backwards order and yep. distribute hands that way where they need to go. Everyone's dumping trucks and then I assign X number of people to lighting, X number of people to audio, X number of people to video, and then I keep six utility hands with me. They help backline, they help build the deck, we help the laser tech and just odd things. We got some special effects out here. Sometimes I need them to drape some seats, uh put down cable ramps, you know, you just name it. It kind of gets all kinds of crazy. Um that generally gets us into lunch, post-lunch, yeah. right around there. And then um, today was a little longer. PA's probably up in the air right at lunchtime. PA, we're making noise at lunch. Yeah, And Webster's a beast. He's done a lot of his homework, so his time, he doesn't take long. And he's been in all these rooms. Yeah. And then um, try to rotate through lunch. Honestly, the lighting crew has been eating lunch on the fly, so we've been bringing lunch to them because they've got a lot wow. going on. Um, and then, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, Benji's out there. Yeah, man. Our, our friend Benji's out here too. My hunting buddy. Yeah. He's been awesome. I've, uh, really, he's behind it. the lighting console. Yeah. I think Alec did most of the, our friend Alec and did all the most yep. of the process, uh, programming and stuff. And then Benji's offing. It's been super cool, uh, because this crew is really good and they're not arguing. Now, granted the tour is only two and a half weeks or two weeks. So, yeah, but yeah. everyone's done. A, Corey has done a really good job of not. A lot of times the CCM tours, the Christian tours, just cut budgets. When it needs to be six trucks, they do four trucks, and yeah. everyone's mornings and evenings are just hell because you're packed to the ceiling. Right. And he's done a really good job of planning the rig around packs. So that's and he's staffed it really well. There's some really uh, great guys out here. There's a guy named Morgan who's kind of the video LED guy, and he's a rock star. Cool. So it's been good. Um, so then we let audio kind of do their checks. You know, people like to get out of the room for that if they can. Lighting or checking, videos checking signal. And I'm generally making coffee at that point. My road case has been brought in. 
It's really yeah. called a stress test because for those of you that came out to the MXU tour, you you uh, and were in California, my road case popped a breaker in the middle of the show, and, and, <laughs> and because I was making coffee, um, so wherever I plug in, I generally do a stress test, and then uh, um, then we do line checks. You know, we were doing sound checks on the front end of the tour where everyone was getting uh sound checks but as days go on we do line checks or if they adjust programming the band may want to check a song so we leave some room for that and that's generally into the middle of the afternoon and then we'll check special effects streamers confettis lasers and then everyone needs to walk away for a minute you got to get out the room and it's best to get out the building today we're underneath all our buses are parked underground so it's not much getting out but you just got to walk away for a second and that's the most helpful part of the day because then you come back fresh for showtime. Do you guys have an opener? Um, Elevation Rhythm is out. Um, okay. So in-house, but it's their first thing opening. Yeah. So part of my job on this has been schooling them uh, and helping yeah. them establish because, and Corey and I had a great conversation, what they learn here, even though it's in-house and with their people, when they go other places uh, it will reflect what they learned at home. I told them it's like the manners that your parents teach you at the dinner table. So when you go to some friend's house or you, you're hosting your own dinner parties when you're an adult, you don't uh, come across as a moron or rude, you know? And so they've been really receptive and really great. They've been learning. So yeah. I've, I've appreciated that. They've been super kind. But um, And then... You letting them sound check? Yeah. Corey's mixing yeah. them. Oh, okay. Um, so that's been, it's been good for them. They, I really, man, the drummer is awesome. And David, who kind of sings and leads, has been really rocked too. I like yeah. what they got going on. Um, and then I hand the, I hand it over. So everyone gets to walk away. Hopefully you get to go to dinner. And then I do a show call right before the show where I check with all departments, make sure they're in their seats, ready to go. And then I hand it over officially to Jared from Got it. Elevation, who's... Jared Olson. Yeah, who's the producer. And then um, at the end of the show, he hands it back to me. Nice. That's pretty nice. I, I do that in reverse. I do have a few changes during the show. Uh, just now that we have an opener, um, and there's a moment where some props and podiums and stuff come out for Pastor Steven um, yeah. that we use some local label for. But outside of that, it's Jared's show, and I take my cues from him in those moments since... He's in, in the seat, and then the, as soon as the show's over, it's back to me. Um, how long's you're out? So, you've only been out there. Like, is, your, is this show three? Yep, we were at three hours and two and a half hours and two fifteen. Yeah, will be my goal tonight. Um, yeah, which is pretty normal. Which is pretty normal. The first show, it all depends on backstage space. We had zero on the first show and only two docks. On this one, I have three docks and a ton of backstage space, and the labor's been yeah. pretty good. So uh, that feels like you're conducting more than anything on load-in. It, you know, it feels yeah. like I just need to make sure all departments are working together and all the hands are doing their thing. And I generally like to pack the trucks, at least be around so I can make sure they're packed and weight balance it goes in order. It blows my mind to see some truck drivers get in the back of the truck and they pack it themselves because – you know, they're pulling it and where that weight distribution is really matters when you're doing 80 miles an hour down the freeway. You know, some drivers don't care. They just trust the stage manager, production manager to do it right. But a lot of those guys get back there themselves. We've only repacked one truck. It's Corey's homework um, was great. And then all the leads 
did really well. Webster killed his audio pack. The Concept Pixel guys uh, were able to loft their trust and give us a little more space to help with weight. The rigging truck, we just flipped, basically, and it worked out weight-wise, but we were a little over on the back axle. So all these little details you just got to remember, but I've enjoyed yep. it. That's cool, man. Yeah. So today's show four, yeah. you said? Yeah. So four to go after this, just eight shows. Yeah, so... um that's yeah, but I've, nice. I've really been impressed with the Elevation team. I would brag. I don't really know Chris Brown. Um, actually, I'm like don't really know him at all. And w- the way he talked to production on day one was really impressive. Almost tours have a team meeting, and yeah. he just conveyed what they were about and who they were. And he emphasized that they were a church first, and this is not what they do. Yep. He, he said, um, he said that's, and he had handed over to Corey and Corey and handed it back to him. He said how grateful he was and that, that, uh, what our, what he saw our roles were is that we, they were, this crew was helping them do church. So we, they needed our expertise to get this up and running and then they got yeah. to do church and we got teared out. It's, it was a really great perspective because you go to some of these things where I've seen churches do these things where they're the experts, they know it all, blah, blah. But they mm-hmm. honestly, not one of them's ever rigged safely or legally. None of them have packed a truck. Right. <laughs> you know, none of them have packed a truck. Yeah. They don't know what union hours are. And so Elevation's trust of Corey is is awesome because they have an incredible is. rapport um, with each other. It's t- that's I think that's a two-way street. Um, yep. Alex, who's tour manager, has been doing such a great job. And his and Corey's focus, they both told me on day one, was you make sure the crew's happy. Like, keep them happy. I don't. We want people to feel like they're valued and happy. You just don't hear a lot of that. No. And they've done a good, even on our off days, they, they take care of us really well. And nice. people need to get food. And um, it is a, maybe I'm in the honeymoon period, I don't know, first couple of days, because I haven't really done much with Elevation. But I think Corey set an incredible tone and has been the bridge between the church and the real world. Yeah, and I think that the church's heart has really translated in that, and I think the crew overall is having a better experience. That's great. I I couldn't agree more. I do know Chris Brown, and he's a great guy. I don't. I've never gotten. I've known him almost ten years, probably. I've never gotten any rock star church worship leader from him at all. Zero. It's not even in the ballpark. He's just a normal dude in the green room with everybody else. Talks to everyone. He's just a freaking real guy. He's a really, really good dude. And you're right. He, he really trusts Corey. I have seen him say to Corey, I trust you. I've, I've read those text messages. No, do what you want. I trust you. Like, it's it's legit. They're awesome. Yeah, I, I liked watching the ebb and flow between production and worship there. It was good. They both were trying to support each other. And uh, it was good. So, anyways, I'm having a great time. I think I'm doing a good job. Uh, <laughs> you texted me that yesterday. I'm like, well, well, good. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm doing a good job. I think they're having. It's hard to tell, you know. It's a new camp for me. Yeah, and uh, but I've been really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the people. I have no qualms. I would 100 percent do it again if it worked out. You know. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, well, we were in Vegas when you kicked off your tour. Yeah, I was so jealous. Okay, you posted a ridiculous photo in the elevator. Oh, of my outfit? Of you, yeah. Shoes. Fit check. Yeah, <laughs> fat shoes, pointy shoes, pointy cowboy shoes, tight jeans, belt buckles. Yeah. I can't wear belt buckles. They disappear. <laughs> I don't know where they go. I, 
I was on the edge, but you know the MXU seventy five helped out a little bit. Helped yeah, show my yeah. belt buckle. Yeah, I saw three fourths of it. You're good. There was probably uh, I don't know twenty thirty people that were in on the hey we're going to dress a little western for the party. So that was super fun. It was really an excuse to wear my cowboy boots. That's I just talked everybody into. Did it. you get a new cowboy hat? I did get a new cowboy hat. I did Where's for the from? party. Where's it from? Uh, it's a Stetson from uh, oh, those great hats. Kimosabi. Yeah. Yeah, great store. Yep, that's awesome. Ooh, tell me where you ate. Oh gosh, I love food so much. <clears throat> we um well, let me tell you a little bit about the party and then I'm gonna tell you the craziest one of the, another crazy dining experience. Okay. The party was unbelievable. There were over three hundred people signed up and about another fifty that didn't sign up because they were just from the church or all of our crew. And this suite was twelve thousand square feet. I saw that. It's insanity. And 300 people in there didn't feel overcrowded. It just felt like the right vibe for a party. It felt like what Big Dadu needs to live in in a robe. <laughs> yeah. So this room, it's it doesn't have a room number. There's no name on the door. There's nothing because you can't reserve it. So I think I said this before, but Adam stalked the general manager of the hotel and got a meeting with them and said, hey, I work at a church. We do tech. And COVID has killed the churches for the last two years. This is the first trade show back. Can we please have this room for a night? And they charged us a preposterous amount of money. It's the most money I've ever seen be requested for a suite on the strip. You know, usually like the nicest suites are like five grand a night. This was well more than double that. And Ross Worship, Jeremy Bagwell, Skylark, Marcus Walker, Summit, Tyson and Nick, and Amplio, Jeff Vandergeesen all paid for it and all the food and all the drinks. Dude, what a great people. I have I know, loved watching ridiculous. these integrators pour into the community. I think total that party cost about $35,000 is what we all spent. And so those guys all paid for that. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. It was awesome. Um, so uh, we all went to bed around 2.30 that night. The butlers, because the room came with butlers, they left at like midnight. They were just gone. That was fun. The night before, Sunday night, flew into town. Um, me, uh, Jeff, Spencer, Dylan went to dinner with some of the team from Ross. So Jeremy, Jared, Darcy, and Todd from yeah. Ross. Yeah. And I was trying to find a steakhouse in Vegas that wasn't too loud. And did you know on Yelp, you can actually search by that now? Like, it's a category. That's There's a volume. You're such It'll a say, Yelper. Like, I know it works. Yeah, no, you, you've had. Good you luck. can't just you can't just go by review like the amount of stars though. Like that's it's deceiving because there could be two reviews. It, it's a hundred percent deceiving. So uh, I find this place called Carver Steak, and it's in our hotel. We stayed at Resorts World, and it was quiet, so it was perfect. Um, so we sit down, and the server says, "Are you guys going to have any wine tonight?" And we're like, "Well, of course, we're in Vegas." So. I, I ask our Canadian friends from Ross and Jeremy, the redneck from Georgia, do you guys want wine? They were like a little indifferent about it. Like, yeah, sure. Didn't seem like I think we could give Jeremy two buck Chuck and he'd be just fine. hundred percent. He sent me a different story. Never mind. Um, so the sommelier comes over and I did the, I did the normal thing. The same thing we did at bizarre meats. And he says, what type of wine do you like? And I said, well, I really like, I like Chateau Muzar. And he said, oh, certainly my wife attended his funeral because he trained my wife 
uh, during her master sommelier test. Oh, wow. And I said, your wife is a master sommelier, which there are only, there are less than 30 women master sommeliers on the planet. And he said, yes, she is. And so am I. You bowed. You curtsied. I, I did. I, I, I closed the menu, pushed it in front of me. I shook his hand and asked him his name. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, Darcy from Ross said, this is basically like if Tom Brady was married to Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So we let him order for us. He told us what food to get. Got a couple bottles of wine. I mean, it was just fantastic. He was opening and nothing was on the menu that he brought. And he said, yeah, I'm allowed to buy six of these a year. I only open them for people that will appreciate them. Here you go. And these weren't like thousand dollar bottles of wine. They're like it was like eighty dollars for a really nice steakhouse in Vegas. That's like the cheapest stuff they have. It's just extremely hard to get. So it was super cool to be able to do that. So that's what we ate. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Well, I think we should get to the interview. I think you're going to like this interview because Phil's got some great stories. You know, he was working for. I, I mean, it's one of the top probably two or three most prestigious audio brands in the history of time. Gosh, what le- what legendary history. It is. And one of my other favorite meals I've ever been to was with Phil at Verse LA, Manny Maricot's restaurant, which I've talked about on the podcast before. So we talked about that a little bit. So here we go. Hey, everybody. I wanted to let you know about a great offer from our friends at The Church Co. They build church websites completely for free. They will handle the migration of your existing website over to their platform and can even manage it for you ongoing. The Church Co. is a complete digital platform for churches, including websites, apps, giving, prayer, small groups, SEO, Google advertising, and more. Best of all, it's integrated with all of the major CHMSs like Planning Center and PushPay, to name a couple. If you're interested in upgrading your website and simplifying its management, use our promo code MXU to save 20% on your first three months. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. A few months ago, we had Paul Cox from Capture Collab on the podcast, and we talked about the importance of storing and organizing all of your church's photography. Capture Collab is a tool built specifically for churches to handle this. From capturing to uploading and then tagging, it's the ideal photo storage and sharing system that lets you never lose a photo again. Imagine searching for photos of people in your foyer holding a coffee and your library scoping down directly to photos meeting those specifications. If you're tired of sending out links and searching through folders, use the promo code MXU to save when you sign up for Capture Collab. thrilled today to be joined by Phil Wagner, Senior Vice President at SSL. And I have a bone to pick with you guys because one of your best restaurant experiences of late yep. came through Phil and yep. I had to miss out on it. Yep. So Phil was the reason that you got hooked up with Manny Maricun's restaurant yes. in LA. Verse LA. Verse LA. And I was so jealous because obviously Manny, but touring the studio and yeah. having him sit there at dinner and tell stories. It's like about man. doing John Mayer records. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad to meet you in person, even though I couldn't meet Manny in person. We'll have to go back. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Phil, how many times have you been there? 
a couple times. I mean, <laughs> a good pal, and he's always invited me, and I try to get there as often as I can. Yeah. yeah and you don't live that far away either, no, right? No, I'm, I'm about 20 minutes away. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I live near a Chili's <laughs> up in Sacramento. Yeah, I don't live near any world-class uh, studio engineers, but I live near a couple of church volunteer mixers, which yeah. is about the same. That's great. <laughs> well, it's a great story with the restaurant. Well, this well his studio's next door. That's exactly. how this. Yeah. That's how it started, right? Yeah. And then he wanted a restaurant. Well, he's a wine guy. Yes, and he he wanted to open this restaurant. He talked about it for years, and it took a while to put together. And I was always encouraging him to connect the restaurant to the studio because you can. And this was in the very early days of Dante. And I just said, just string a piece of fiber between the restaurant and the studio. You'll be able to do whatever. You, you have going on in the in the restaurant recording into the studio. So that's what they've done. That's funny. And it's got SSL consoles yeah. in the restaurant because Manny mixes on SSL consoles in his studio. Yeah. I love it. Like seven rooms and six SSLs. <laughs> that's crazy. And it, we were there late. I mean, we finished dinner at 10 or 11 o'clock. And he's like, okay, now grab another glass of wine and follow me. And we go into the studio and every room is busy at 11 o'clock at night. Wow. Yeah, except his room. Like his room is yeah. his room. Yeah, and he was bussing tables, answering calls from uh, Cardi B or who it may, uh, getting edits for mixes That's while so he was. Funny. I got mixed tweaks in between yeah. washing dishes. Oh, it was Lizzo. It wasn't Cardi B. It was Lizzo. That's amazing. Yeah, but Larrabee goes Studios goes back with SSL to 1979. They were when when you could count how many studio consoles were on a single piece of paper. Uh, Larrabee was on that single piece of paper. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. That's right, because he bought the studio from someone else. From Kevin Mills, who owned it. And, and at one point, they had three different locations. And that studio was owned by, um, uh, actually, it was uh, Donna Summer's producer, Georgia Moroder. Right. That studio originally. And, uh, and then Kevin Mills bought it and developed it into uh, uh, two rooms and then three rooms. And uh, Michael Jackson had worked there. Very interesting. Very interestingly, they had a, a 72 channel and an 80 channel G series in the late 80s. And for I think it was the way you make me feel by Michael Jackson. They had actually connected two of the rooms together and had a 150 channel mix with four Sony 3348 tape machines. So just to show how far the Michael Jackson sessions went. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. Crazy. Wow. So then through the 90s, uh, they kept on upgrading to the latest 9000 series console. And right now there's three of the latest uh, 9000K series consoles in, in Manny's room and two others. So he really loves them. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Okay, so let's go back. You're, you're saying numbers that start with the 70s. So how long have you been at SSL? How did you get your start in the industry? That's a, thank you for the question. Um, I started, I've been on stage since I'm 11 years old. I, was, I got started in live sound. And... Uh, Started in the uh, resort hotel in the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York, and, and it was a great thrill because next to Vegas, where we're at right now, the, the resort hotels in the Catskills were the next best thing. Uh. So at that time, the entertainment industry was based in Vegas. You, you, this was, was the center of it all. Um, but if uh, the resort hotels were the next day, you'd go to Vegas and you'd come there. So we had Shirley Bassey, Dionne Warwick, Bobby Vinton, Paul Anka, Herb Alpern, and Tijuana Brass, you name it. Everyone came through the Catskills. So it was a great, there's no prettier place to be in the summertime. It was than very nice. Exactly. Finger yeah. Lake, Catskill region of New York State. Jeff, is this where you're, you grew up? I grew up in Western New York State, okay. but that, 
that's a place to go. Like okay. during the summertime, it's just, it's paradise compared to Vegas, especially. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing was that, um, this was before air conditioning that that's why the Catskills oh. were great in the summer because people would go up there and stay up there all Got summer. Got it. As uh, somewhat characterized in the marvelous Miss Maisel recently yeah. on Netflix, but um, so it was a great start, and uh, that's where I got introduced to uh, big super troopers. I did lighting when I was uh, you know, starting oh. out, and old Altec Bakelite knob mixers. That's yeah, what you had four yeah. or five inputs, maybe eight. Uh, before faders, just big knobs. Before faders, exactly. And then we had six oh four speakers, a couple of those on stage, and uh, it was orchestras and, and big artists and. Uh, and then it started to develop into, so I was like, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I was, that's what I was doing. So I was always comfortable on stage. Pretty good summer job. It was a pretty good summer job. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then I remember when the first consoles came in and it was a Yamaha PM 1000 and I just fell in love with it. I said, I love the red and yellow and blue knobs. That's, so that was where I really got into consoles then. And by the time I was 16, 17, 18, a friend of mine started a 10,000-seat outdoor concert venue, and he had me doing local production. So that was my sort of entree into the uh, major promoter scene. So wow, we had a, so it was really uh, uh, fateful that I that was my start in the business. But I wanted to be in the recording studio side. So I went to the AES show in New York uh, and um, fell in love with early SSL consoles and had posters of... Harrison and Eve and SSL on my walls as a kid growing up, and I was destined to be a recording engineer. So I went to NYU, and they had the music business and technology program. And then uh, we put a studio together at NYU. Um, and then really the internship program got me into uh, the studio. I worked at Soundworks and the basement of Studio 54 right in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And as fate would have it, we put in one of the first SSL consoles, uh, wow. SL6000 stereo video system in 1983. So I go back with SSL all the way back to the beginning uh, in the early 80s. And it was Power Station and Sigma and Unique. And these were you know four major studios within a three-block, five-block area of, of Manhattan. And it was a very, very exciting time. Um, it was, you know, then before you knew it, dozens of SSLs went into all over New York. And everywhere else, um, I went in a different path after the studio. In the studio, I was working with Steely Dan and Roger Nichols and Chaka Khan and Joe Cocker. It was a great period of time yeah. in the studio. And the Steely Dan stuff, the experience that I learned dealing with all the digital tape machines and PCM formats, that experience I carry with me to this day. It was an amazing time to be in the studio business, and it was an amazing group of people that I was working with. But because I had so much experience in the live sound side, where I think I told you a story, Lee, where by eight o'clock, everything has to happen. Yeah. Curtain up, right. that's it. You're done. The show's happening whether we're ready or not. Whether we're ready or not. In the studio, on the other hand, nothing has to happen by eight o'clock. <laughs> and sometimes on, doesn't. Or, or by, on Monday or Tuesday <laughs> yeah. or Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Well, especially back then because record labels actually had big budgets to make records. Exactly. And so you were spending you know, days getting drum sounds. Well, because you could. Well, and the creative process happens when it happens. You can't right. force eight o'clock yeah. on an artist. So once you've got that down and you're performing live, you you know what you're supposed to be performing and you, you right. do it. But that was frustrating for me. Plus the fact that if I would, when I, we did a major promoter show and I would, you know, return the towels and get the, you know, $75 deposit, 
that night plus my salary <laughs> versus $75 a week as a, you know, as a tape op assistant coming up as an engineer. It's a little bit t- different economically as well. Yeah. Um, and that's, then I met, uh, the folks from Soundcraft and I started with Soundcraft. I started their New York office when I was 21 in the eighties. And that led to four years with Neve and then a couple years with Trident. Um, and then SSL when I moved to LA, uh, started with SSL in 92 and that was a 17 year run, which was great where we, you know, dealing with post-production broadcasts and not live, but tons yeah. of studios and that pedigree of, of, you know, dealing with every professional studio and, and that's what defined a professional studio was an SSL console and uh, every top engineer and producer was, was really fun. I have a question about that era. I've been thinking a lot about this as it relates to TV. Last night I was sitting on my couch prepping a show file and they played a rerun of SNL. Yeah. And it was a late nineties episode and Aerosmith was on and it sounded amazing. I was just like, just taken back by my Sono soundbar and how great it sounded. But as you're telling this story, then I'm, I start thinking, there's a ton of SSL consoles in late night studios in New York, like most right. of them, in fact. Right. Was that the era where that really started? Well, we had, um, I was hanging out with the SNL guys in, uh, in the 80s. Uh, a friend of mine I went to college with, he did all the post. And then they set up a music room um, about 85. That put, they put in a, an E-series console and then a G-series console, which is a, an 80-channel console. And they went to a 96 uh, uh input console and they had the house band on the left side and the guest band on the, on the uh, right, on the right side of the console, they'd push a button and just change over. But w- then we had late, uh, the late, late show when it started up, when Letterman went over there, we had Letterman. So we were in all the variety yeah. shows. It's changed a little bit since everything went digital, but we have a 96 channel C200 in the, uh, the late show. Yeah. It's even called bear. And that's been in there for about 13 years now. I've been wow. in there. That console's amazing. big. Yeah. That's exactly. a big desk. Amazing. There. And Harvey Goldberg does an incredible job. Great guy too. Yeah. Yep. That is so, so cool. The shows sound so good because they put a lot of time and energy into the music side. They have a dedicated music room, dedicated production room, dedicated sound effects console. Yeah. And it's a big deal. It is. Okay, so then you left SSL for a little bit and then came back. Uh, left SSL in the uh, was about 2009 uh, and uh, went to start Folk, uh, Folkstrike US. My friend from Soundcraft, Phil Dutteridge, uh, wanted me to do that. And they were introducing uh, RedNet with uh, uh, Dante, and that was a lot of fun. So I did that for seven or eight years. And then uh, in 2019, came back to SSL. So that's going on two and a half years now. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. We've been growing incredibly well with all the uh, smaller dealer products and, and the live console has been very exciting as well. So that takes me all the way back around to my beginnings. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So for most of our listeners who are in live production, you know, they, they've heard us talk about and have maybe even seen an SSL, you know, whether it's an L500 or one of the other live and consoles. Andrew Stone. Andrew Stone, one of our co-founders was a huge proponent of the L500 and you know, his mixes were, were stunning. Part of what was always so impressive to me was how, you know, the, the sound of those studio desks was able to be transferred into live sound, whether it be through plugins or through the surface. And I think the thing that people may not know and the thing that people crave about that SSL sound is yes, the two bus and the compressor, but it was the first studio console that had compression and gating in line per channel. Really? It used to be that you had to get all that outboard through an insert. 
but SSL was the first one that had it channel for channel in line. And so people don't realize what a fundamental shift that desk made. And that's why it was the industry standard. You were a pro studio, you were a pro mixer if you had an SSL. And that it's interesting how that sort of mystique and that cachet has made its way into live sound too. Well, it's all about what's your favorite acts. I think yeah, yeah. I agree. And and for many people who came up through the eighties and nineties, they really love and appreciate the ergonomics of what an SSL is. And my, some of my great friends, Manny, Chris Ordalgi, you know, Tom's brother, so many engineers who just rely on that sort of je ne sais quoi essence of what an SSL is sonically, what it is ergonomically, how it looks and feels and, and what does it sound like when you put the faders up? Uh, particularly in the 4,000, 9,000, where you can look over and see the dynamics, how the gate is working, the compressor's working, the inline dynamics. You can look at one side of the console and know what you're hearing, and then you get to that after the you, you move what you're doing. So there's something that the console speaks to you, yeah, not only sonically, but visually, and uh, it feels great. So there's a level of refinement in an SSL that we got right from the start. There are consoles that we put in in the mid eighties that are still in place today um, because they're built that well. And with the live console, you know, we have that pedigree of, of excellence of audio and we build that into the sound of the console. The, the digital bus is great. The converters are super analog, like the 9,000 and uh, it feels good and it sounds great. And again, everyone's got their acts, but for those who work on the SSL and keep coming back to it, it's be, and they say, you know, quite, consistently that when they put up the faders they get a certain sound quality that they love over anything else they can work on like dial in eqs it does what they want it to the automation we pioneered reliable automation in a studio console where that's what you built your you know your whole record on is how do i automate this so i'm not surprised when we get feedback from live users that they love the way the automation the precision of it yeah I've been to the factory too, and it it feels like you're in like an audio hall of fame world <laughs> museum. Like it doesn't feel like, and some of it is that uh, I'm gonna. But what's the redneck way to say genasoy? What is the what do you say? You say that <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's it. Yeah. it's the essence. It's really, yeah, the it's essence it's, of what it is that for you can't those, for can't those quite put your finger on it, but it's yeah. the thing that right. Is that, yeah. Well, that's that was my experience with the live console. And, you know, when when did it come out? Uh, 2016? At this point. Okay, so yeah. So when it came out, um, the rest of the market, every, every digital console was pretty bland, I guess. Is that okay to say? I mean, it's like what you put pretty in. Neutral. Was, it was very neutral. But this, I might have had this a little bit too, but for some reason their consoles just didn't work. But. Um, <laughs> Detail. Yeah, yeah, small detail. Um, it, it was like that. It's like, oh my gosh, there's stuff up really high now and really low, and there's good distortion, and like it had this thing, yeah. and nobody knew how to describe it. Yeah, but they just said, it's just this thing. You yeah. like, you have to hear it because, and I, and I, I think you know, to be fair, if you went to Yamaha at the time, no, yeah, their their engineers in Japan would say. I put every channel and every output and every bus on a scope and it's yeah. all perfect. Yeah. It's very linear. It's measuring accurate. Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Sure. But there was a kind of a linearity to it and a sort of a binary quality to my ear. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
SSL was art. I would just say it was a little more musical. Yeah. You know, like you were saying about when you when you push into it a little bit, when you saturate those preamps, when you dig into that compressor, there was just a depth to it that some of the other manufacturers um, yeah. didn't quite have but the same. True 64-bit processing as well. So there's a lot of great science in there. The real-time operating system, the patented engine, it's it's pretty phenomenal. But they're all exceptional. All the live consoles are very advanced these days. and I think it's what does every company bring to the party. Yeah. Uh, you might be familiar with brand X or Y. Um, and uh, people who love the SSL really love it. Now you guys have uh, forayed into uh, rack gear. And in the last couple of years, that feels like it's exploded. And I'm actually super excited about it because, you know, outboard gear is now popular again. Yep. You know, it used to be only that a few people were using it, you know, Muse had it and Chris Raybolt had it and like these higher end A-list engineers. But now like Adam here at Central is using a fusion. Fusion's hot. Fusion Every, is hot. Is, I mean, we, we um, just uh, shipped a half dozen to a major touring company and it really is. We're happy to see that the take up has been so strong and live because that's a pretty sophisticated toolbox for your two mix. And for it's people that don't know, really tell good. them what the fusion is. It's, it's uh, uh Six different processors that there's like a high-frequency compressor in there. There's ultraviolet EQ. Um, I forget off the top of my head the other four, but it's a very powerful set of... There's some saturation, some yeah, harmonic exactly. distortion, some... But you basically throw this thing on your two bus. That's what most guys are using. You could do whatever you want with it. Transformer in there. Yeah. You put it on your left, right, and it's like it can turn your neutral console into, oh, we just put a little... Uh, some, some good dirt on the whole thing. A little extra spices. Yeah. Yeah. And then this week, you guys just came out with a new one. A we were, you and I were on the phone the other day yeah. and you're like, yeah, we just launched a product today. And I'm like, well, what console is it? And you, and it's not, it's another box. The bus plus. And we're very proud of it because one element of every single SSL console that's ever been made is the two channel bus compressor. This right. is something that we started that we maintain and, and it's really um, the glue. So I've called this one super glue because it's a, a ultra wide bandwidth device that in essence is a two channel uh, bus compressor, but it also has four different modes of operation. It's taken the standard bus compressor into directions that quite honestly, I never thought would be possible. So there's, for example, a 4k mode on there and you go into the 4k mode and then you can adjust the level of that thing that the 4K does with the glue, the level of saturation is adjustable. Yeah. So that just, like, you go, whoa. So does it operate in parallel at that point, or is parallel it? Parallel compression in there. Uh, you can also, you know, put the dynamic EQ, excuse me, the digital EQ into the side chain uh, and tune that as well with the meter. It's really deep box, and it's got a ton of It's features. super cool. Yeah. Okay, so when do we get to hear that? I know. <laughs> I called him about getting a Fusion, and then he's like, and we also have this, and I'm like, well, maybe I want that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we shipped them all the dealers. We got a, a pile in. We shipped them all out. We're getting another pile in a, in a couple of weeks. So. Okay, so that's what's new here at NAB this year. Well, we're not even showing. The NAB show shipped, and then the, all the bus pluses came in. Okay, so that's that's even yeah. beyond what right. we're doing at NAB. This so a few days ago it yeah, came out. literally. Wow. And you mentioned all the other gear. You know, we have these beautiful controllers, the UF8 and UC1, which are a great hybrid workflow for people who work in the box. Yep mixing uh mostly you know for recording and mixing and uh the outboard 500 rack but 
I think for live, we're very happy that people take our studio tools and stick it in their live rack. And the the single uh, cha- single stereo compressor that had been out for for twenty or more years, that's found its way into to yep. live racks for, for very many years as well. That's yep. great. And that Bus Plus, I looked at the price of it, but what's the retail on that? It's not much. Twenty eight ninety nine. Yeah. Oh man, we're gonna definitely have one at MXU HQ. For sure, we should. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Obviously, we're here at NAB. This is the first trade show that anybody's been able to attend in a couple of years. So what are you guys um, able to show here? What do you, is there anything new that's other than the Bus Plus that um, people need to not miss while they're here? Well, what we've been doing over the last couple of years is expanding the software. When you have digital consoles, you just upgrade them. So right. we have the System T, which finds itself in uh, broadcast environments mostly, we're expanding that into uh, certain uh, higher-end customers use that for live sound mixing as well. Uh, it's completely Dante-based, and uh, we're also um, doing uh, Atmos mixing with it. So there's a couple of places here, oh. SSL Studios, that have taken the System T for Atmos mixing because it's a 7.1.4 console from stem to stern. So we're showing off those capabilities. Uh, and then in the live console, it's the first time we're showing the L650, which yeah. is the most powerful a live console that we've done to date. It's got more channels, more DSP, more That's great. Effects. That's what we saw Chris Raybold mixing Bruno right. yeah. a few weeks ago here. Yeah. And Bieber's out with it as well. So that's just getting started. Um, and then there's a, a V3 uh, upgrade as well um, that uh, incorporates uh, Axiant uh, Direct Control, Sure Axiant. So uh, we've been really uh, upgrading the platform. That's great. Yeah, on both live and System T. That's great. Well, Phil, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule here to come chat with us. I know everybody's really excited about what you guys are doing, and it's great to great to meet you and great to talk. Appreciate it. And likewise, we really appreciate what MXU are offering the business and the industry and how you guys uh, are big on education uh, because there's a resource that's necessary that you're filling a void, and, and we really like to participate with you in that way. Well, you guys have been with us since day one, the very yeah. first show. You guys had a desk at our event, so I think we owe you the thanks. But You're very welcome. Let's hang out again at Verse LA and then in Woodstock in the UK. Love that. Yeah. Let's do it because Jeff hasn't been there. I need to go to London to visit our manufacturer friends there. We talked about this before. We could just make a trip out of it and yeah. let Jay take us on a tour of London. Totally. Well, Jay, wasn't that a great interview that you actually haven't heard yet because that would be like Inception? Yep. I'm going to, uh, you know, in all my free time here, I'm going to try and listen to it. Uh, you have probably zero free time. Honestly, I have not watched a Chicago PD, Med, <laughs> or Fire in a week. And or um, uh, Good Sam, which is Sophia Bush's new show. I'm so behind. I watched one of the Chicago episodes last night. I don't know which one it was. Well, Fire Department, Hospital, or Police Department? There's hospital and some police. Maybe it was Chicago One where they all came together. I don't think it was that. Okay, well, it was it. uh it was about a teenager suffering with alcoholism when she was drunk, but she kept saying she wasn't drunk, but her parents were in there. That oh, was, that that's was, med. It was med. You've seen that episode? Yep. It's med. <laughs> okay. It was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, good episode. <clears throat> hey, um, what habits have you kept? From 75. Uh, the water. Right. That. Me too. It's easy on tour, I think, to yeah. drink tons of water. Uh, 
I haven't had breakfast still. I have not had fast food. I've kept up the water. Um, I got a little sick, so the box breathing was hard when you're sick and coughing. Yep. But I, I, I like doing it, so I, I want to get back to it. Um, and I've been in the gym three days a week. I did not go when we were in Vegas. Took a gym break because Vegas. Um, but yeah, so far that. That's cool. The water's been good here. Tour water is easy because I'm constantly thirsty. I haven't been working out, but I'm working all day. I'm doing steps yeah. on steps. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even carry a stepper thing, but I know I'm walking a ton. And um, it's so weird. I feel guilty drinking coffee after two. No. Oh, I have stopped that too. I have not. I mean, I have been drinking some coffee, but like when five o'clock rolls around, I won't have coffee after that. But aren't you up till two or three? Yeah, but I, I think I think I need to create the habit and just yeah. push through that. You know. I, I mean, if you want to look at it real practically, I think it's eight hours before you need to go to sleep. Right. So if you're drinking it at five, I wouldn't feel so bad. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I try you. not to. I've been trying not to have it at five. All to say. Um, met a gentleman the other day that was at um an mxu 75 came to a show and his wife said thanks for the mxu 75 because my husband's never felt better wow and then she probably looked at me and was like well clearly you didn't do it but <laughs> no nah, it was sweet that's was really cool sweet. yeah um well let's do this again next week tantrum will be back i love it we gotta get grace on here Okay. We need some grace. I've been playing phone tag with her. So let's work that out. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, have a good rest of the tour. Talk to you soon.